you have ice lollies? They're like, you know, like Calippos and stuff. Like Otter Pops? Oh, is that what it is? It's like, it's based like frozen ice. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like Italian ice? It's an Otter Pop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, li I have one of those every single night. Um, Live and direct, we go on, let you know. You're tuning in to the big five, Bruno. We are here to buck the status quo. Running this for all in the five, Bruno. what's being worked on that you're like, actually this is ways that I think for new audiences, for new people coming through, there's sort of like areas there. Yeah, I, and we're definitely working on it now. Our next event is the Yoketown Half. And what we're moving into for that is a better venue. We're doing one one brewery per mile. So it's, it, it's not a mile out on course because <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh, but it's 13.1 really <laughs> miles at the finish line. And it's creating that experience. I mean, it's exactly that. And it's been that from day one. I don't want to do an awards thing on stage and shut everything down because then people leave. I want people there as long as they possibly can or they want to continue the high fives, the hugs and the smiles, you know, and then walking around the venue and seeing people link up, like we were saying, people yeah. you saw on course that you said hi to or that, you know, it's just, I want that to go on for as long as possible. And for us, it really is every single year building out that experience and how do we make it better mm -hmm. and because the course is going to be the course it's going to be on trail or road or whatever it is but the start and the finish line and then things you experience along the route like a dj or a cheerleading squad or a high school band or our mile markers and the kids that painted them right i love them and so They're literally amazing so like, it's just all those things and that is the whole reason that we're there is is for those pieces that are sprinkled in that make you smile that make you just fired up to be there. Mm. So one of the things you like speaking about there is that like engagement around that race and the, and the engagement of like other people who participate. I think the more that I think so much of what's happened in our industry is like people run race reviews or surveys. I mean, God, we do loads of that. Um, but sort of you get this constantly reinforcing cycle of making a better experience, but fundamentally for the people who are already coming. And I think so much of that, like providing an amazing experience around it for the spectators, the other people who are coming through. Exactly. We're doing, we're spending loads of time talking to people who have never done a race before. Like, like going into communities, going into areas which sort of, I think, I think as a, as a company, yeah, I think we can obviously make sure that the experience for, for race goers and for race directors is, is better with engaging their existing audience. And we've obviously shown we can grow people a lot and, and bring people, people knew back but fundamentally i think our our contribution to the industry needs to be bringing those those new people through and, and those new audiences in and one of the things that we just um there's that classic saying of like you can't be what you can't see and i think like right. the more that we can bring we can appreciate the journey that people need to go on and understand why the people not not just like how do we make the experience better for, for the people already raising but how do we make these people who just turned up to spectate or wander by or whatever. How do we make them feel really like they can take part next year and they really want to take part next year? How can we go into communities which, like, no one is doing this, like, like at all. And I think we obviously, again, all exist in an echo chamber of, oh, people do this all the time. As in literally, like, I, we had someone new start um, a couple of weeks ago and they were like, uh, and there was just this, like, really just chill out conversation about someone doing a 100 miler on the weekend. They were like, 
is this just an expected thing that people just do? Like, we just in, end up in those environments and we forget that for loads of people, like, they've never even heard of, like, they don't know anyone who's done a 5K before, ever. Um, and the more that we can, like, bring those people around it and have those experiences where they're like, yeah, that could be a laugh. Like, I'll get involved in that. And then we bring them through. And, and obviously then it's like where we all are. Like, you're hooked and then you love it. And then it's right. just a core cool <laughs> part of your life. Yeah, I think you, you said it too. It's it's the spectators as well. It's the family that's there supporting mom or dad or our brother, sister, just, whoever it yeah. is. Like, if you can, like, we strive to make it better every single race, but, like, making it where our, they're going to be gone for two hours and their family's there, let's show them a good time too. Let's let's have a beer festival so they can get some drinks or something too while, like, so-and-so's out running and then you capture them there and they were like, hey, you know what, maybe I do want to run this next year. And um, like making it a, like a holistic experience. Cause I, I think for a while it was pretty much just runner centric. Like the post-race festival is just runners. Like now, like all of our races, you see kids run around, you see uh, like, like the whole family is at our race uh, instead of where it was just people in running shoes. Oh yeah. See, I mean, seeing two of the members of our team, like Marissa and Grant, like seeing them cross their finish line and just like, their kids running over or their kids will run like the last kilometer with them. It's, yeah. like, it's just, it's just awesome. And that is like, how powerful is that image rather than it's like, yeah, it's nuts watching Kipchoge break too. But you're sort of like, I don't know. I, I find that one of the least inspiring things ever. <laughs> just being like, great, under the most false environment ever, like wearing springs in your feet and like chevron of people brain. It's like, brilliant. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Whereas like, Watching those moments and those moments of connection and, and the more that we can elevate them and share them and create incredible content around them. Mm -hmm. And like, I think content is something which we've just seen the more that we invest in, the more that we can get people to really want to take part. And I think we've, I mean, how bad has race photography been over the last 25 oh, years? Terrible. Like, it's yeah. just like horrific. And like every single race photo I've ever had has been like, oh God, like what are we, I mean. Making the worst face ever. Yeah, yeah, genuinely. Some of the photos like Alex and me for doing the like, London Marathon a couple of years ago, it's just like, oh God. Um, and yeah. Again, then you don't want to post and then. Yeah, exactly. No one, and then no one's, and then no one's yeah, It's yeah, just exactly. trashed. Yeah. 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 And it looks horrible. And it looks like you're sort of like, everyone's like, oh, why would we want to go and do that or whatever? It's like, but it's like simple things like, how can you tell people that there's a photographer coming up? How can you like the photo? How can right. you try and focus on people being like really connected to other people through that image and through that moment? How can you tell the story that is, yeah, that helps other people see it and feel like, yeah, I want to do this. Yeah, that's a, that's a big focus for us. Like every race, Huge like the focus. first thing we talk about for marketing is like, all right, who's doing photo and video? And what luckily for us- and Reels. The, yeah, and Reels. TikTok. And, yeah, and like and the, who's you got to embrace- social media and everything and luckily for us being in the bay area there's so many creatives here and there's so many also already people involved in sport and like sport photography and video mm -hmm. but and like TikTok's, that's a huge thing yeah, yeah and tiktok's yeah. such a huge one you look at you, i mean you look at the growth of our industry between like 2006 and 2016 it was like insane like you had like 3x growth in that period of time off the back of organic facebook and like mm -hmm. there were those experiences particularly color on tough mother those kind of guys who like were producing this incredibly shareable content which was like blowing up organically and that was producing this amazing thing like tiktok we have the biggest gift that we've been given since <laughs> the Facebook. biggest gift no, totally. it, no totally. it is, it's insane our very first post we had three views and our last post which might have been our seventh or eighth we have thousands yeah, and yeah. so over ten thousand. yeah yeah i mean that's insane and you guys i bet like and we're not good none of us are good at it yet as far as like we're really like, we're just getting started yeah and this, we so, really don't have that much of an idea of like what's going on. I mean, one definitely 
viral mm-hmm. last week. It mm-hmm. has definitely over 11,000 views. Yes. Um, it's pretty crazy that and they're all, and you, and you produce it in like 15 minutes and you're like, sweet, that's like, let's go. Like it's, yeah, it's incredible. And I, yeah, definitely. I, there's, um, and I think there's loads of people in the industry who have been sort of like, ah, oh, it's a like younger generation and, and they're not really doing it and that kind of stuff. And you're like, well, it's having such a massive impact on really established, like book talk is yeah. massive. Like book talk in the UK is going to be like 27% of publisher sales. Like, oh, and wow. that, and like, books like that's the most sort of old school industry ever and like it's being totally re- revolutionized by by tiktok and and the opportunities which are which are there um and you look at sort of the opportunities now like tiktok at its heart it's about movement it's about connection it's about values it's like consumption yeah people it, want to consume yeah and it's like, and it's everything that we do like it's literally tailor-made for our industry to be incredible this like massive organic platform set it's, it's like almost like it was built for our industry and and I think again that's where we have to break that self circular spiral of let's just keep doing what we've done before and let's keep doing what's there before and I think that's where I think that's where I'd love like us the company to be able to sort of really contribute is is the way that like yeah we'll do the like it's why we really want to work with registration providers because it's like you guys do what you do really really well and and let's like work with you to make sure you do that like but we're going to obsess over how do we get new people to take part because the people who have got the bug they're gonna they're gonna keep going back like that's that's great like and and we can increase those cohorts and that kind of stuff and that's all good stuff but like fundamentally like they're exposed how do we get those new people and new aspects there and that's just i mean what it like i think there is just i think we are just this like totally uh generational point in our industry as far as like we have everything set us set up for us to make this incredible like the participation rates we're talking about the, the bikes the trainers tiktok the channels the opportunities but it will only unlock it if a the industry i think all works together which i think increasingly we're getting way better at like i think that's been a really positive trend from from pre-pandemic um but also that we actually wake up to the changes that we need to make to to in, to engage that community and and stop just thinking about like, oh, it'll be the same people that were there in 2019 because those right. people are two years older and like like there's a sort of community of people who got into it in the late 2000s, early 2010s and actually like they're just the same group which is doing, <laughs> which which like we're, we're, we're sort of keeping pitch to. Like we need to be engaged in that new community and really drive into to how they can take part. Yeah, yeah definitely. interesting thing, like that generational gap, like everyone that has been running marathons or half marathons is they're getting older where maybe their bodies aren't going to allow them now. And now we need to capture those, those young ones and like how we do that. And likely let's do this is there to help guide other race directors to be like, this is what actually does work. Cause like you said, and like we've seen and talking to other one, other race directors, like some of them, they're stuck, stuck with how they did it. Well, this is, it's always worked this way of doing this mailer. Uh, it always works for us, but how do you embrace the creativity is so high right now. Like everyone, there's platforms like Canva and like all those other things, but then just having cool medals, the just having like a really kick-ass logo. Like uh, like we really push like we want it to also look cool, like the still artwork, because uh, that's what's gonna attract people's eyes, just to open up the door. Oh, and that's yeah. incredible coming in here. Like literally, yeah. I mean, obviously I've never been in your office before, but like <laughs> genuinely, like compared to, it's an inspiring place to be, right? Like it's yeah. sort of everything is just vibrant and alive and. It's just, I mean, and those numbers by the kids, it's just, is, is like truly epic. And, and I think it's like, 
I think there's such a desire to change. Like, I think there's such a desire for everyone to be like, we want to be, I had a great call with Paul Foster this morning, who's um, CEO of Great Run Company, which is the biggest organizer in the UK. Um, and they've been a big partner of us and it's, it's been really, really awesome. And he's, in, he's incredible. And he's like, we want to get these new industries and, and we want to access these new environments. Like, like, how do we do it? And we've got to, as let's do this, have to do, I mean, it's, it's really where we're investing. It's like, um, we've just done this, done this series B, um, and raised, raised a, a pretty large amount of money, which has been, which has been awesome, which, which should give us really good firepower to go and be able to move beyond the stuff, which is really, you say like the basic, what I'm saying today, which is like, it's really, it's one thing to be able to say like, look, this is what we need to do and, and move there. And this is where we need to go through this step change. It's another thing to actually like support people to go, to go and actually do it. I think we've sort of seen this with the data side. Like we've got, I think there's, I think there's 11 data scientists working in the industry and I think 10 of them are let's do this. Um, but I think we've always said like, oh, everyone knows that they should be making data-driven decision make, data-driven decisions. Like I think that's something which is sort of, everyone understands, but actually doing it is so hard. It's like such a challenge to really go and be in that position that you're, uh, you have the right level of understanding of how you do that. You have the right infrastructure for your data networks to, to be able to have access to that. You have the right volume to be able to, to to be able to be statistically significant on those tests. The infrastructure, I mean, we must spend like well over a million a year on being able to be data-driven. Um, and we've got to, we, it's not enough for us to say, I'll oh, be more data-driven. We've got to explain to people how to do that and, and how we can not just provide the insights, but how we make those actionable. I think that's something we're trying to go really hard into is like, how do we make this just way more just way easier to implement because most race directors, right? Like you, I mean, you've got, I know from when I was there, like you have a million things to do. You don't have any hours in the day. You feel like, I mean, I am really technophobic. You don't have the data. Oh, at least I definitely don't have the data literacy. I can't write SQL. I can't do any of that kind of stuff. And therefore I will like, I will lean towards and prioritize the things that I really love. Yeah. And then I'm good at, which is like, the race right like like it's like the experience like that that's where you lean and therefore you don't think about the new communities you don't think about the new markets you don't think about all these things which are hard and like the payoff is uncertain and 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 the gap to where you are right now is is big you just focus on my community that i already have and, and they're already there and, and making the experience dialing up the experience that i know is is tried and tested and so yeah we need to do we need to do a better job there of, of just being like we are all bought into what needs to change. Like, like now we're gonna make it really easily accessible for you to for you to do that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, a little change. All right. Favorite cheat meal, off the top of your it's head. It's not really a cheat. Like, do you have ice? Like, it's really weird one. It's a very embarrassing one to admit to. Do you have ice lollies? They're like, you know, like calipos and stuff. Like otter pops. Oh, is that what it is? It's like it's based like frozen ice. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like, like Italian ice. It's an otter pop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I li I have one of those every single night. Um, <laughs> which like is like apparently the least sexy thing ever, as far as my In a sleeve. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 genuine. Yeah, yeah, genuine. I have one of those yeah. like every. I have one of those like every night. Sir Isaac like, Lime. Yeah, yeah, big time, and uh, an orange as well. 
so yeah, those are literally like just pure sugar, just straight before I go to bed. Totally. So, is that from your your uni days? Uh, it's really pathetic. It's part of my like de-stress post-work day. As far right. as like that's like my sort of like yeah. I have this like whole ritual of being like, okay, now I can sleep because I've probably <laughs> drunk way too many Red Bulls and that kind of stuff during the day. <laughs> well, everyone needs. To, I feel like there's a lot of people that don't have that. So at least you have. Nothing to de-stress. <laughs> Just wish it was a bit more cool, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in your in your opinion, what's the most British food, and then what's the most American food? Oh, bangs and mash got to be the most British. Yeah, explain that. that yeah, so more. bangs and mash is sausages and mashed potato, and you have to have it with like really like watery gravy that like slops everywhere and it looks horrendous. It doesn't actually taste that nice. And uh, I don't really like it that much, but it is very British. And like surely burgers for you guys. Like yeah, which burgers. I, yeah, which I say, I yeah like. burgers or hot dogs for Yeah, us. yeah. I yeah. love it. I love them. Burger and fries. Yeah, burger and fries. Biggest if you had to choose there's a lot, but if you had to choose one big difference between the US and the UK. I think like I mean there are so many. And this is maybe like I think one of the things that we've found because we we spent a load of time. Sorry, I'm doing a terrible job at this being quick. Fun. No, no, no. <laughs> we because we we start we started the company in the UK and then we came. We did this thing called Y Combinator, which like is the biggest accelerator of tech companies in the world. They did like Airbnb, Stripe, Insta and we came out and we lived here for a really long period of time. And so Alex and I were like, poor Alex, like we're, we're like living together in um, in SF for a while and that kind of stuff. I think like, and there was sort of a period of time where we go back to London and we'd be like, why does everything feel so much harder here? Like, I think there is a, I think there is a, a, I think there is no, um, there's obviously a massive network effect around San Francisco, but it's no surprise how many massive companies have been built in, in this area compared to, and maybe that's more of an SF London thing. I think in London, we value cynicism as in like, we're like, mm. we feel like it's intellectually rigorous and we're like, oh, that's really cool. You're against this. Whereas like, I feel like in reality over here, it's like, why are you being cynical? Like. Go and change the world. Go and do something mega. Go and do something awesome. And, and I, mm. I think there is a big um, difference there. Um, so I'd say that was like the biggest sort of plus for the US compared to compared to home. I think the, uh, the sort of one the other way has been like I think in the UK people are less welcoming to you, and people are less and it's probably associated with cynicism are less willing to buy into what you're trying to do. But once they're there like they're so there like 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 okay. once once you're like like once you're friends with someone in the uk like i think you're like you're there for life whereas i think in the us you have like way more people who'll be more excited and like get on board but then like they will be there isn't that same level of like they'll be as welcoming to someone else who's doing that kind of stuff so i think like easier to make friends here but you don't make as many sort of like li we definitely didn't make as many lifelong connections whereas like harder to make friends in the uk but once you're once you've broken through the hard British exterior, yeah, you're <laughs> locked. Break through that wall. Yeah. Uh, outside of work, what's your favorite activity to do to de-stress besides having an otter pop at night? <laughs> yeah, it was probably that. Um, I found, like, I know everyone talks about, like, it's sort of weird to talk about as a favorite. My favorite activity is play. I still play polo and I absolutely love oh, it. Yeah. And there's, there's, yeah. some, there's something mad about, like, I absolutely love horses. I'm obsessed with, like, the fact that when you're at, um, I think a lot of the time, like same with like business is so consuming. Like Chris Froome, cyclist, talks about loving riding up Mont Ventoux or Alpe d'Huez or whatever because there's a moment when the world goes quiet. There's something about polo where it's like it's complete carnage, like ever like absolute mayhem, and it's just it's just the rest of the world goes quiet. And like and I've grown up with loads of people who 
who played and and load of my best mates are involved and it's just completely separate like john kent jk you guys know who's part of the company um he like so many of the companies like joined the company for such a random reason he was like one of my oldest friends and he was living with me in my spare room when he was trying to do a sports presenter course and then he realized that like he probably wasn't gonna make a sports presenter so he's like oh, fine i'll join let's do this and his dad who i love ak was just like what are you doing with john go and let him do a proper career um and now i was doing a bit better he's a bit more pleased about it but um <laughs> the uh i think probably but, but i think the i think the the thing that i think i do to de-stress most is, is therapy. Like I think oh, the yeah. at the start of the pandemic, it was pretty um, I was pretty grim for everyone, wasn't it? Like it was like, and there were loads of people who was way worse affected than we were. We were so fortunate and, and privileged about the situation we were in. But I think the um, yeah, I think the I think there was a very uh, yeah, there was just a very maybe it's a terrible thing to say because we've got loads of amazing investors and that kind of stuff. I've never really struggled with the shareholder stakeholder thing, but really struggled with the whole like team thing in the way that like people, I mean, Ryan's like same for you. Like people join companies because they, I don't know, like early on, like they put their, they back you. Like there's no, there's nothing there. Like you were talking about, you took this office before there was even, <laughs> before you guys even had a company. Like I think there's, there was a period of time there where I was like, I felt there was, I just, I just didn't, I didn't know whether we were going to be able to like look after the team and, and we were really lucky and we, and everyone was incredible and they were all wicked at staying together because we were in a tech industry, which was doing unbelievably well. And I know they were all getting 20 job offers a week and, um, we were obviously in an industry which was doing, which was having an incredibly tough time. Um, and I started seeing, I started seeing therapists at that time and I've seen him every week since, and I think I'll see him every week. Um, yeah, for as long as we're both around. He's a bit older than me, so. Um, uh, hopefully he goes first. Um, no, no, he's great. Um, but I think that has been the biggest um, thing that help, has helped like manage some of the stress through that and, and times. I'm, I'm, I'm super glad like therapy, especially like for every, like everyone, is becoming less like stigmatized. Like if you go to therapy, oh, there must be something like super wrong with you. But like now, I'm glad it's, it's way more normalized where you can be like, relatively like have a good life but still go see a therapist like it's mm. it's okay to go talk talk to someone else about what's going on so yeah and it yeah. feels tired now but i think there's that like when we talk about physical health the first thing you think about is like strength like yeah. you immediately go to like yeah you immediately yeah. think about strength as soon as yeah. you talk about mental health the immediate thing you think about is, is still weakness and i think like the i think the more that um i mean we've we saw that that in in for mass participation uh amongst anyone amongst the sort of demographic younger than 30 um like way more of them are driven by the mental health impacts than the physical health impacts and there's nothing like mental health weakness about going and signing up for a 5k right like it's a it's a very deliberative investment in, in yourself and what you want to do and 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 that sort of fe moment of feeling of, of presence and i think there is i think there's still a lot that we can do um yeah i think there's still a lot that we can do to to make it to, to make the idea of mental strength mm -hmm. um yeah like more more of a focus rather than just all mental health being associated with like no i was definitely in a, i was definitely in a dark place during that period of time like it wasn't like i went to a therapist because i was feeling great i wasn't um but i think increasingly like it wasn't like i started feeling better and i was like i'm gonna stop doing this yeah yeah uh, i right. think i think i'll i think i'll always keep doing it uh, that's that's great uh, that's a great like self-awareness too because like you said like some people might start feeling better i'm like all right i don't need one anymore but um yeah keeping up on that just realizing how good it is for you um all right 
FIFA World Cup predictions. <laughs> but, uh, England won't have a rematch, I guess, with Italy. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, I was thinking earlier, being like, uh, I was being. Like, I actually, I reckon we're. I gotta say, England. I mean, literally, sort of just like. I actually, I think for the first time, we've got, we've just got so much talent. It's literally like it's ridiculous, and they're also, they're such unbelievable role models as far as like the. The English, like what Raheem Sterling's been doing in the UK, has been been absolutely ridiculous. Sancho, like they're such. Um, I think it's sort of I don't know. Look back on. I look back on where I was when I was twenty one, twenty two, and I'm just like, oh my god, like is absolutely. I'm sure I look back in ten years where I was now and be like, you're an absolute moron. Like, what are you doing? And whereas the fact there are so many of those like people. Guys who are basically kids, and particularly what happened in that penalty shootout when all of them <laughs> got, got got went and got fed to the wolves, like and the abuse and the grimness and the fact that you suddenly really, like those are the moments you're like, oh god, we are so where no, not near where we need to be, and you just see the absolute just like horrificness of mm-hmm. of some of the languages used around around that. I think there is, um, I think it's just incredible that there is an England team where. Not only are they good at football, but most importantly, they're just like they're unbelievable people. Like I, like I, like I think Rashford has been such an icon during the pandemic, as far as like what he's done to the fact that you've got like a, a kid like Marcus Rashford, who's like got all the stresses of having to turn up. And I, I know he earns incredible money, and that's wicked. But like, that's just like the nature of what he's doing. Like he's having to go and take the pressure of turning up at Old Trafford every weekend, and like playing for Man U and then he can still have the bandwidth to go and be like I'm going to go and really campaign super hard to make sure there was a period of time in the UK where um, the uh, young people's uh, school meals were uh, during the pandemic they like they weren't getting the money for, for their school meals and Rafa went on a massive campaign and he ended up like winning against the government and making sure all the mm. young people from underserved uh, underprivileged backgrounds were, were still getting school meals the fact that he can go and do something like that he's like 21 like is unreal and I think so like yeah, I want England to win because you want England to win, but I think we've got a history of having pretty horrific footballers that like I don't really necessarily feel like I massively wanted them to win as people. But I think this group is just like they're just all they just all and like not to put them on a ridiculous pedestal, but they just all seem like unbelievable people. Like and to to be that inspiring at like twenty one when your whole life must just be completely insane is is wicked. So yeah, England because I think they are actually good, but mainly because I think they're they're wicked people. This isn't a quick answer one, but uh, I guess to close out, uh, if what advice do you have for anyone out there that is either on the fence of starting and launching their own company? Like maybe they have a great idea and then there's, like you're saying, like a lot of people are just nervous or too scared or just in general, like just uh, looking to make like a big, this like big change in their life. I feel like a lot of people like, get stuck in a rut and they might have like something in them to like, I want to get, out of this but are too scared like what what advice would you have for those people to like make that change or make that leap yeah I think the first thing would be like I've I've had an unbelievably privileged background like I've had incredible parents like my mom and dad would just could not have been any I don't know I think a lot of like therapy sessions meant to be about like things that your parents have screwed you up and we all I think all parents screw up the kids in certain ways but like they've just been amazing I would super lucky to go to incredible schools I would not have got into Cambridge if I hadn't gone to an incredible school um when Alex and I started, let's do this, everyone was like, oh, that feels like a risk. And it's like, there wasn't a risk. Like we moved back in with mum and dad at home and we always would have been fine. We had incredible educations behind us. We had, um, yeah, like like 
we, we had a safety net for sure. And therefore I think like for us, it was a way bigger risk that we wouldn't, um, that we wake up when we're 60 and Alex would still be slogging out Slovenia to work for the European Central Bank and wanting to like, yeah, having a, having a pretty grim time. So I think like we never had risk in the way that I think some people do. Like some people like, if you've got commitments and you've got dependents and you've got kids and you've got mortgages and, and that kind of stuff, I think like it's, uh, it's very easy that I think to give try try advice around be like just do it or like, like make it happen. Yeah. But actually, for some people, it's not the right decision. And so I think, firstly, firstly, I think I'm probably not a great person to give advice on it because I was I was unbelievably privileged and therefore didn't have the same level of risks. I think secondly, be really sure that you want to do it. Um, like Ryan, I'm sure you had days as well, like particularly in the last couple of years where you don't. And I definitely have days where I don't want to do it. Um, and I think there's uh a lot spoken about the days that you do want to do it and and the days which are great and that kind of stuff but i mean to, to give someone an idea like our series b uh which was like probably the biggest moment in my career i reckon closing that funding round because it was like at the end of a pandemic when we weren't sure whether we were going to live or, or die it was like probably the biggest round that has ever happened in our industry like it was really really big i was wearing like a reindeer onesie in my boxes at four o'clock in the morning at my mom and dad's place on my own and it was like and we closed it and i was like sweet i'll probably have a mint tea and go to bed <laughs> like, and it was that really weird thing of being like this is epic but it's also i don't know it's not like that's where races are incredible because you get the sense of connection and a moment of the experience and so i think like the you have to really care about what you're doing for it to sustain you because all the other stuff like money prestige i mean this is the first podcast i've done in three years um because none of that stuff like matters like it's just it's just not it's not important and it doesn't and it might seem cool at some point but like it just it just isn't and therefore like, you have to really love what you're trying to do um and i think probably associated with that the the third point would be to try and work out what you're optimizing for um i think there's always a myriad of impacts and a myriad of reasons into any decision and like obviously all of us have multifaceted decisions at any one time but I think if you try and I think increasingly I want to live my life as connected to my values as I can and therefore there and I've always said about with let's do this like I want let's do this to go way beyond me like I don't want to be I don't want to be running like like it's pretty easy for me and Alex to get fired <laughs> like, 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 like like we don't we want let's do this to go on and be something like we see yeah, it's it, that yeah, as I was saying before, like like that we see our kids being able to use and someone else like building and that kind of stuff. And at some point, I will not be the right person to be CEO of it, and that's that's and that's great. Um, and I think if if you're at a moment in your life where you're like, I don't know whether to go left or right or whatever, um, I think trying to work out what you're trying to optimize for, and I think on the whole trying to work out what the thing that resonates most with your sort of like underlying values are, I think is um is normally a is normally a pretty good yeah, normally a pretty good way to go. That's lovely. Well thank you so much for being on the podcast, oh, Sam. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks guys. Thank you. Live in direct big one, let you know. You're tuning in to the big five run. We are here to buck the status quo.